Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, inappropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Welcome to the Hostile Work Environment. My name is Mark Alifans. I am coming to you again from the sunny, cloudless Utah, uh, away from my home in Oregon, where I am tech deficient and busy as all get out, and then completely and entirely unprepared for this episode. So <laughs> while I can do my announcer voice, that's pretty much all you're going to get from me today. <laughs> so we are going to have a pretty awesome episode. Kate has it pretty much entirely prepared, and we have a special guest today, and I'm going to let yeah. Kate get into that. So, Kate, hello, welcome. I'm glad to be with you, as always, on our bi-weekly podcast that I am wildly unprepared for today. <laughs> Don't worry, Mark. We got uh, you. I am cool. very, very excited because I am super prepared for this episode because I have brought my friend, Jackie Clayton, who is from Recruiting Daily. She is awesome. She's a kitchen dancer. And the reason I love having her here today is to explain NASCAR to us. And I'm going to explain all the things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could use yes. some of that education, honestly. <laughs> yes. I am wearing my De uh, Daytona 24 hat because I went to my first big race ever. Wasn't it great, though? Oh my God, it was way more fun than I anticipated. I had brought a book because my 15 year old <laughs> loves racing. And I'm like, I'll just sit in the stands and read a book. It'll yeah. be fine. I'm like, no, I got the hat it's signed by Catherine Legg and the rest of the all women's team. I like know the sound of a Porsche 911 yes. now in the, the back of my head. I can tell it from the difference of a Lexus. I'm like, I, I got this. Like yes. the GT squad is my thing now. So but I don't know anything about NASCAR. I did watch 89 laps before the first red flag in Talladega this week. <laughs> Good job. Which, yeah, <laughs> which is why I wanted Jackie here. So Jackie, tell us about NASCAR. Yes. yes. Well, it's funny. So true story. Um, I got involved in NASCAR through, thanks to Twitter and Periscope. True story. <laughs> so the good bad news was my husband, I felt like he needed a hobby, right? So I get him this video game and I'm like, here, do it without realizing like the detriments of addiction mm. of video games. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. sorry, I'm plugging in. It was a You're creating a monster here is what it sounds like. <laughs> so I've been there. Yeah. So it was a Friday night and um, the Foo Fighters had a concert on Periscope. Didn't know Periscope. I was like, oh, that's cool. They're having a full concert. I'm down. Um. And of course, by the time I figured out how to use Periscope, there was like three minutes left. So then I was just stuck on Periscope. So I'm going around going, well, tell me more about this. And this guy was doing everything. He was showing all the things. He was like, I'm in Daytona. And he's like, this is this track. And it was just like, it was really cool. You know, I was like, gosh, I'm really interested. And my husband's playing the video game. My son's doing whatever teenage boys do. We won't, well, that's another discussion. And so I was like, I'm just going to watch this. So I tell my husband, and then I was like committed because he was coming back the next day. And I thought, well, I am too. So I went back and I watched it all online and then didn't know anything about it, you know? And 
I was tweeting. Um, a lot of people know me from uh, Twitter. It's Jackie Clayton, not really original. But I was like, <laughs> what did he mean? What did he say? Like, I just pr- pretended that I was the only one on Twitter and everyone there was to answer my questions. <laughs> and then as I'm going through, I saw a Periscope come up. And this is really interesting. So the guy who was doing this Periscope, his name was Sloppy Yellow, which is an auto term meaning your car's meh. It's a sloppy yellow. Like, you know, it's like red, yellow, green. And it's like you're a yellow, but you're a sloppy yellow, which is kind of like, eh. So his nickname is Sloppy Yellow. I didn't know who he was. I slid up into the Periscope, and he was talking about Texas. I'm like, I'm from Texas. And he was thought I was there to troll him. Because <laughs> he was like, what are you, what are you doing here? Um, and for good reason. Because I'm like, hi, I don't know anything about NASCAR. Y'all look really fun. And so um, he was like, if you're a real person, email me. I am. So I did. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm excited that you're excited about NASCAR. Why don't you come to a race? I want to invite you and your husband to a race with me this weekend. And I'm like, sure. And I'm from Waco, so I stopped. I got kolaches. There was a tweet up. We never went to a tweet up before, right? I'm looking for people. It's me and my husband. And so we find the tweet up, and I'm just me. And I'm like, hey, I'm here. I brought kolaches. Like, I'm literally running. And I'm in this group with these people. It's a tweet up. So I'm like, this is Mm -hmm. cool. Not knowing that. The writer from USA Today is there. The writer from ESPN is there. <laughs> Sloppy Yellow works for Dale Earnhardt Jr. It does a podcast for Dale Earnhardt Jr. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, hey, you want these kolaches? And this guy's like, oh, this is Austin Dillon. I'm like, hi, Austin. He's a driver. Didn't know. <laughs> he had a kolach. He signed the box. And all these people are just staring at me. So then these people come from, like, box sports, and they're like, we're doing a thing about, you know, NASCAR. And I'm like, oh, cool, yeah. Can we follow you around? I'm like, sure. Like, <laughs> right? Not knowing these ever. people, right? So this is my first time. This is my first, but this is the next week after seeing my first race. Um, mm. And then we went to the driver's meeting, which people don't get to do, turns out. No. Then we got to go, like, they were talking about the garages. We got to walk past all the cars. People don't get to do that, turns out. No. And I'm just like, hey, I brought kolaches. Like, I don't, I don't know. That's how I got into NASCAR. Um, and I knew that we weren't supposed to be there, right? Like, okay. Because knowing that you don't, you can't buy that ticket. The stuff no. that we were doing, and we were in the infield, right? <laughs> and all of his fans were there, and they knew because they watched his broadcast that I was the one who knew nothing about. About. Yeah. yeah. So they were like, Jackie, you know, like, oh, they're going to do a flyover, and they're going to do this. And they're like, like, I'm like, oh, this is so cool, you know. And so it was really, that was my first experience. And then we got to do a live broadcast. But I still am always like, so what does this flag mean? Or what does this stage mean? Um, yeah. And so that's how I got into it. And what was interesting was, like I said, I, I had just met this famous writer and the guy who's from ESPN. Um, and going through it, Bubba Wallace, because I know that's part of why mm-hmm. we're talking about it. Bubba Wallace yeah. 
drove trucks. The thing with NASCAR is it's not like basketball where the best people mm-hmm. get promoted. The people who have the most sponsors and the most money and know somebody are the ones who get going. So at the time, he was racing trucks. And they were like, do you think it would, they wanted to know what if I thought it was a big deal if for Bubba to be there. there and him, and there's another one, guy, Jesse Ouija. He's another black driver. He drives uh, in, in another series. And I was like, yeah, it would be everything. And I said, if Bubba mm-hmm. Wallace was able, ever to get into the Cup Series, I would absolutely be a fan. Now, the other thing with NASCAR is that, that you have to have a driver. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a driver. <laughs> and I didn't know anyone. So that was the other part. All the Dale Earnhardt Jr. people were like, so who's your driver? Like, they wanted me to be like Dale Jr. And I was like, I don't know. Dale? quit during that time announces retirement yeah. i'm like i'm not gonna support him if he's leaving me that's doesn't make sense of a relationship it's a, it's a bad time to pick up new new fans right yeah. and then every time i'd say i like this person they'd be like no you don't i'm like oh okay you know <laughs> people are very serious so i was like okay i would you know i guess i like austin dylan because he signed my kolachi box <laughs> um the next week i won tickets to talladega not kidding <gasps> Four tickets to Talladega. So my second race was Talladega. We drove to Alabama. That's awesome. And I have the funniest picture of taking a selfie. Me and my daughter are standing there. Again, met Austin Dillon, had another kolache. <laughs> um, but we're, we have this selfie. And it was the same as the, um, um, the Kentucky Derby. So I, being me, decided to wear this kind of fabulous hat. And my daughter, and we're taking selfies, and it's just, like, these white men in trucker caps behind us staring, going, what is happening? And me and Hannah being like, oh, we're here, take a selfie, you know? But the thing, (laughs) but I started loving, the first thing I learned, I'm like, it's just a bunch of people driving in circles. And somebody said, Mm -hmm. first of all, it's an oval. And I was like, oh, (laughs) so this is a thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's when Mm -hmm. I realized how serious people took it. and the recruiter researcher in me just started finding out more about the sport. And I found it, I found it absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yes. So I want to ask you, so for the, over the last, I want to say week, maybe 10 days, NASCAR has essentially turned on a dime on its reputation for supporting Confederate flags and statues and having it on cars. And everywhere. And I, I will tell you that when I went to Daytona, I was surprised that I only saw two Confederate flags. And being especially because, in Florida. Yeah, especially in Florida. And but the, the endurance races are a different series. It's much more international. It, it, so it's there's that bent to it. But I was still really surprised because I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to be taking my kid into this kind of environment. But NASCAR that in the last 10 days has said, we have to get rid of this image. They did a Black Lives Matter video. They banned Confederate flags. Uh, Bubba's car says Black Lives Matter on it. So I want to ask you, how do you feel about all this? So you should know, it was over five years ago when they banned Confederate flags. <laughs> they just decided, we're not doing this anymore, right? Um, the thing that people don't recognize, and this is something, again, just from not knowing the sport, um, uh, Bubba, uh, Wallace, there's been some other drivers, they had the diversity program. There's a Mm -hmm. black woman tire changer that came up through this diversity program. 
Um, but I think a lot of people um, are seeing like the wheels are off, right? Like globally. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. just like, no. Pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> um, I think people are like, this is, we're just doing it now. We're just doing it because what people have found, oh, sorry about that. What people have found, and I think this is true, whether it be NASCAR or anything else, is that there is, you can't have a program. This isn't a a small segment. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to rip the Band-Aid off. Nobody's going to work their way into it. So um, I was, I was ecstatic. And um, I had a personal issue with a neighbor with a Confederate flag on Mm -hmm. Friday. And then freaking Saturday, the military banned it. And then this happened like that next week. I mean, I've only not cried like two times in the last two weeks <laughs> since all of this has happened. Because it just validated what I already said. And I was like, well, shit, if he waited two days, maybe the conversation would have been different than what he had on Friday. Um, mm-hmm. Because now it's like you have things to back it up, you know. Right. And then there's. Can we talk a little bit about the news controversy? Yeah. And I, and I think it's, I don't believe in coinciding in general. And NASCAR, there was a report on Saturday that there was a noose in Bubba's garage, and the garage itself is very secure. Like you mentioned, nobody gets to go into the garages. Yeah. Um, and so they NASCAR launched an investigation. They had the FBI involved, and they had taken pictures, which came out after the FBI announced its findings that the, it had been there since October. Yep. Um, but the, there are no other nooses in NASCAR. That's right. There's only a noose in Bubba's garage. And it had to be someone in NASCAR, someone who had access to the garages. So it could only be a member of a team, of the mechanics, et cetera, that could have done it. But when Talladega came out on Monday, I think it had a rain delay. That yes. must have been weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they wheeled Bubba's car out. NASCAR itself took the stance that we are going to support Bubba. We are going to help push his car out. We're going to walk behind him. Everyone's going to do it, luckily enough. But they're all going to come out and do this and support him. And so the from an employment lawyer standpoint, I looked at that and went, they absolutely have to do an investigation. But isn't it kind of great? that this is what we're seeing in response? Yes, absolutely. I was, I was dying. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And I think that's the, I, that's, I was saying, this is allyship. This is what it looks like. It is yep. not somebody, they could, they could all sit in there, look, look, oh, poor Bubba, hashtag BLM. They could have done the same thing, but they mm-hmm. didn't because this is a, a physical stance. I, I like to think when people put these hashtags out, people think they're woke, right? But you have to get past woke to work, which takes verbs in action. And so mm-hmm. this was work, hashtag work BLM, because <laughs> we're showing you. Now, I know some of those people were probably begrudgingly whatever, but it happened. But that's also how you're supposed to handle those situations. Absolutely. When people get upset, it's just like if somebody felt like they were you know, sexually assaulted you know, raped or something in that of that nature, you don't say, oh, we're not sure. I think she's lying. This minute, ha-. you just go in full out, right? If- right. 
Right. And, and that, I mean, Bubba certainly has gotten some, like, is he the next Jesse Smollett? Because, you know, is he making this up? And there's, so there has been some of that pushback. But NASCAR has said, no, none of that is happening. And Bubba has been out there saying, no, that's not happening. And recognizing that it's great that it doesn't appear to be directed at him, but that the showing of that the sport has given him has really boosted his spirits and boosted the fans like you who need to see that and need to see that kind of allyship. Yes, absolutely. And, and I mean, we've seen your pictures. If you've seen the pictures, it's a noose. There's no, yeah. question. it's a noose. There's no so, question. So, so I have a question though, not, not whether it's a noose, uh, but what, what frustrated me was that the FBI comes out with their result here that says, well, it's been there since October, so they didn't know that it would be his garage back then, so it wouldn't have been targeted toward him. Case closed, we're done. And I remember tweeting on the moment, I was like, well, well, I have no more questions. <laughs> right? Like, so what? what's NASCAR's responsibility as an employer now to pick up where the FBI left off? So maybe it's not going to be a criminal FBI-level investigation, but what's NASCAR's obligation now to continue to investigate and figure out what's going on like how how was there a news there since october and nobody knew that it's something still doesn't quite add up here you know i think i think they're still going to do it because the thing is is that you notice that the fbi piece was over and nascar was like hold up hold up they don't believe it <laughs> i really feel like they probably already know who it came from um and uh, that that's what the situation is. I mean, like, even in our day-to-day life, right, if, if, we are, if you're on Twitter or Facebook, you know who the people are. Mm-hmm. You know who's going to put some All Lives Matter BS somewhere. You know. Mm-hmm. Before it even happened. You know, like, like you said, I, I don't believe in coincidences. Um, and I think that they there that's why they had to pull it back and so the thing is it's like what the one thing that's really important about the way the way they did it is it was saying this is what's going to happen to you p.s mm-hmm. you do anything to bubba it's a hate crime we're reporting it to the fbi absolutely even if even if the fbi doesn't do anything they're like we take this so seriously we report it to the police and we're still going to investigate it as the employer. Internal, We're still the take police, and the FBI. Yep. And guess what? Bet you don't see any more nooses uh, coming up. <laughs> nope. Ironically, nope. all the nooses are going to be gone. Any thought mm-hmm. of it is going to be gone. Yeah. Right, so NASCAR doing it right here, but there's still a lot more to come, and I hope we hear more about how their investigation continues to unfold around it. Absolutely. But um, I think that um, they did that, and hash, you might not have noticed this, but they also, it's Pride Month at NASCAR. Yeah. They came out with a whole Pride series. I am NASCAR. This is no joke. I was like, how did NASCAR become the most progressive sport in the game? <laughs> it's, it's especially since there are some organizations that are still way behind on this. Like, who would have thought NASCAR would be yeah. leading the charge? I mean, here. football, yeah, how but, long ooh. did it take them to wear pink socks in October? They don't wear Pride jerseys. Right. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think it would be interesting to see what comes up, but I'm proud of what NASCAR did. I know they had a, a history. Some of the things might seem like it's um, hypocritical, but I feel like when 
things change like this where they're just they're on the journey and they brought us with them so i just everybody it'll be exciting to see what happens yeah celebrate the forward progress go bubba go bubba go number 43 yeah Yeah, i know i might get a number 43 t-shirt i mean the fact that richard petty showed up to support him and while he's in his 80s i mean like this it was it was awesome it was it was great i loved it and i know my and I think you can still be a Dale Earnhardt fan because he was cheering Bubba on yeah. on the Twitter and on his commentary. So Junior I'll, Dale Earnhardt, yeah, Junior. Because you might, yeah. No, no, I know, I know. Senior, the NASCAR people. Is. Listen, I'm trying to save you from yourself. Add the Junior. <laughs> yeah, Junior. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jackie, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for giving us context on NASCAR, and because I think it is a great example to all employers out there. Thank Thank you, guys. And 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 you made me feel something for NASCAR, which (laughs) it may be a first. Can you tweet that out? I want it for. I need receipts. Okay. All right. Done. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Jack. Oh, that was fun. That was great. Okay, so we talked a, a little bit about the NASCAR investigation into the news. Can we talk about another investigation, Mark? We, so as I said earlier, I have nothing. So we're going to talk about whatever you want to talk about today. I don't even have a story today. That's how, (laughs) that's how much Kate texted me when I was still in bed this morning. It was like, we're on in 45 minutes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So let's talk about a Frappuccino. Oh yeah. 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 Let's talk about that Frappuccino. Okay. Oh yeah. So at a Target store in Los Angeles, I believe it's Los Angeles in the LA area. Uh, a man walked in in regular clothing, not in uniform, because it'll be very clear that he needs a uniform sometimes. He walked in without a uniform, and he walked out of that Starbucks with what he claimed was a tampon in his Frappuccino. And he believed that because he is a police officer, the Starbucks targeted him and was trying to send a message to him as a police officer. Sounds plausible. <laughs> okay, so. I jest, I jest. <laughs> well, okay, so. It all adds up. Case closed. We're done. Yes, we're Terrible. done. Woo, woo. Starbucks people. Bad Starbucks people. <laughs> so, Mark, you work for Target because in Starbucks and Target, they are actually Target employees. Uh, you are the Target investigator. How do you start with this investigation? <laughs> I don't know if you mean that seriously or not, because I, no, I, was, about to, I was about to go, go off on the article that we read where they, they, they tested various tampons to see if, they, if, if it was legitimately a tampon. Or is that really a tampon? Um, I, I don't think we need to get into, is it a tampon or not a tampon? No, but... no I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think there's all sorts of information I would want to start to suss out here, which is, first of all, how did they know it was a cop, right? And yeah. second of all, is it even possible to sneak something like that in to a Frappuccino? Now, I am not a coffee drinker. I've <laughs> like been to Starbucks twice in my life and, and felt uncomfortable because I don't drink coffee. So, like, I, I don't know what goes into making a Frappuccino. Uh, so hopefully as an investigator, I would learn that first. Dear coffee drinking fans, it's okay. We still like you. I go to Starbucks all the time. 
I, I like coffee drinkers. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, as a, you 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 asked me, like, you know, as an investigator, investigator. I'm like, I'm, I'm not a coffee investigator. I don't know. No, so right. I just want to. I'd want to learn where in the process it would even be possible to do this. Absolutely. And so, what's the knowledge, and is it is it even possible? Right. So Target does a couple of things. One. They're in a time of COVID. I'm drinking tea right now. Okay. Herbal tea, just saying. <laughs> okay. The target does a couple of things. It looks at, is it p- possible to know that he was a police officer? And in the time of COVID, Starbucks is and Target are doing very little touching of cards. So you can't take your debit card and hand it to the Target checkout person or the person at the Starbucks and the Target and they so they wouldn't see your name you would only use the little box and you would turn it in and then so it would be very hard to see the name of the person before you made the the frappuccino in this case even if it was a regular Starbucks and they would say hey what's your name so that for your order it would only be your first name really it wouldn't be the full name and your resume you wouldn't give your resume I always give my profession when I give my name at Starbucks so I'm lawyer (laughs) lawyer mark god they must love you the two times you've been twice I've been there yeah (laughs) super easy customer right so I'm sure he didn't say I am cop blah 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 right so he so that would be impossible to know that. And they looked at the video surveillance. So because, you know, targets are retail stores, they are often the targets of thievery. So they have lots of security cameras. And they looked at the security cameras and they said, nope, couldn't have done it ourselves. So how do you end that investigation then, Mark? If you don't find well, I guess anything. I, have one, I guess I have one more question. Was it a regular customer? And maybe sometimes he came in in, an, in his officer's uniform and, and maybe oh. the barista knew? That could be a good point, too. I didn't even think about that. But here, with the video surveillance that shows no evidence of it, that's a little shocking. It, yeah, no. I, again, I think that's thin. Those are questions I'd be asking just to get to the bottom of it. But, you know, based on what we know so far, it doesn't seem like there's a lot to indicate that this is a police officer uh, at all. And so then it would come down to when and how in the process could you possibly place an object, tampon or otherwise, <laughs> Uh, into a frappuccino without somebody along the way in the quality control or oversight seeing it or 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 witnessing it and I, again i don't know how it's made but i suspect <laughs> that's not an easy thing to do no 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 i i personally loved the pictures that he put up of the tampon and the and the multiple women who said that's not a tampon because that's not how tampons behave. So I that that's one. Now let's move on to the second one that happened earlier in the week involving one of my favorite burgers on the Shake planet. Shake Shack? Yes. Shake yeah, Shack. that was cool. That, that, that's, I mean, it's not cool, but it's... <laughs> I'm very, very excited because we're getting a Shake Shack in Portland. I don't know oh. if COVID has delayed its opening, but I, I went to one in Chicago once and, and it's it's damn fine. Yeah, so very, very uh, I'm excited for that coming uh, to our town. So, uh, so this is this is I'm excited <laughs> for for hearing your your retelling of this particular story. So this one takes place in the other major city in the U.S., New York City, where two police officers or three police officers 
go to Shake Shack and they get the famous milkshake. Now, I've never had a milkshake at Shake Shack. I always get the lemonade because the lemonade is amazing. But they got milkshakes. They make a homemade lemonade there? Uh-huh. And sometimes it right, has not a like... flavor. Mm-hmm. Oh, so oh, good. Oh, that's cool. Good to know. You Taking are in, note. You are in so lucky. It's coming to you. We have a couple here in Minnesota, so I get to go regularly. Hence right. my COVID-19 pound. So they go and they buy milkshakes. And then they have remarkable diarrhea. Yeah. Shake Shack leads to the runs. (laughs) That's what they claim. And I, you know, I'm going to go on the Stephen Colbert rant and say that belongs to Arby's, but no, this is Shake Shack. So they get the runs, they go to the hospital and they claim that their milkshake tasted like bleach. And that this was an attack on them because they are police officers. Now, in this particular situation, I believe they were in uniform when they went to the Shake Shack. So they claimed that Shake Shack employees put bleach in their milkshakes because they were police officers. Okay. Um, My first question is, if you thought your milkshake tasted like bleach, why did you keep drinking it? Now, that is a perfectly reasonable question to ask. Well, However, I thought it was on purpose, so I did it so that I got the run so that I could tell everybody that I did so that I could say it was on purpose because I'm a cop. I mean, it all adds up. And you know what? I'm a police officer with a future in investigation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Shake Shack does an investigation, and they find no evidence, again, that this actually happened. And this is after the union went out and made you know statements that, Shake Shack employees were out to get them. And I think all in all in these situations, the best response here are the employers who are saying, hey, look, let's take a minute to figure this out before jumping to conclusions that these allegations are true. And even though these allegations are coming from people who we rely on to tell us the truth. So they stepped back, did the investigation, figured out that there was no evidence of it, and moved along. And moved along quite quickly, because I think the Shake Shack one was 24 hours. Uh, the start, Target Starbucks was less than 12 hours that they figured out that th- this wasn't happening. And so it, it is a, a good lesson in investigations on the employer side to say, hold up, we're going to pause for a second, we're going to figure out what happened, and then make our determination of what we're going to do. Now, didn't I read on the Shake Shack one that a conclusion that they drew was that they, they thought that it may have been someone who did not completely flush the milkshake machine after a cleaning with bleach, and that mm-hmm. some of that residue is likely what the culprit was here. So, so it was not intentional, which may lead to a different employment issue for <laughs> someone mm-hmm. uh, around, you know, maybe you should flush the milkshake machine after you run bleach through it to clean it, So there's some quality and employment issues there. It also leads to a question to me for like, maybe is there evidence or not that others who had drunk milkshakes from the machine, other than cops at the time, uh, maybe had the same symptoms. Uh, I would have liked to have known that information as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. But all in all, uh, it struck me reading the article about it that, you know, they just, there's no evidence to support that it was related to the cops. And between the tampon case and the milkshake case, 
you know, those articles really got into one or the other uh, a history of police making such allegations and just how thin and infrequently, you know, thin the allegations are and how infrequently there's any evidence to support that, that there was an intentional attempt to hurt cops uh, through food yeah. poisoning or otherwise. <laughs> um, and that and that it has been known to be a uh, a tactic by police to engender sympathy or to point out that you know people are are trying to kill them or or trying to hurt them to undermine them, uh, whereas uh, the evidence simply doesn't support that in the majority of cases. Right, right. Well, and the what I want employers to take away from this is that you get an allegation of something and the first thing you need to do is kind of put hold on the status quo. So that may mean that you take the employee who forgot to flush the bleach out better and you put them on administrative leave for a little bit. You pay them for that leave while you figure out what happened. And then you figure out what happened and then you take whatever action is necessary. And in this case, you know, maybe you talk to the person about hey, we got to flush these a little bit better. And if you don't flush it better, you know, we could discipline you or we could, because this is a performance issue, we could put you on performance improvement plan or provide you training on how to do this again, those kinds of things. Yep. So it's, it's that methodical pause, figure out what happened and then take the step, which in both, both of these situations and even NASCAR, right? NASCAR did exactly the same thing. They, you know, put pause, let's figure out what happened, we'll contact the FBI, we'll continue our investigation, even though the FBI's criminal piece of it is done. We're going to continue because we want to make the workplace better. Yeah, for and I can't so. overstate the importance uh, of doing that in these sorts of situations, rapidly, efficiently, and effectively. Now, there's all sorts of things that may make that difficult in terms of resources uh, mm -hmm. internally. Uh, or even externally finding somebody who can come in and, and do that investigation quickly. But for something like this, where there's an element of misconduct alleged by the employee, uh, and that potential employee might be able to do it again, uh, you want to act quickly, as opposed to general concerns of bullying in the workplace, you know, where you don't have something as concrete to do. Yes, you want to investigate that quickly, but take a week to kind of figure out what you're going to do in terms of that investigation as a as a broader overarching investigation, as opposed to this more surgical, we have an incident, we have to figure this out today. So I applaud both Shake Shack and Target in this instance for, and NASCAR for that matter, mm -hmm. in these instances for really jumping on these issues quickly uh, and attempting to get to a resolution as quickly as possible. Uh, and it's nice that they have the resources to be able to do that. Not everybody does. And I want to make sure that, you know, it's like, well, easy for you to say, Mark, you know, from your <laughs> lawyer ivory tower, like, you know, not every company has, you know, a hundred HR professionals who can do this. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just me. I get that to the extent possible. You want to, you want to be able to jump on these as quickly as possible. And I think it's great that they did in these instances. Now, we received a question from a listener about whether or not things have changed from a training aspect, given the light of what's happened with Black Lives Matter over the past month um, and 
those kinds of stories. Like what could have happened easily for both Shake Shack and Target, they both could have said, we're just going to fire the people right away without actually doing the investigation, which would have been a knee jerk and the wrong thing to do. But there is an aspect of saying, well, we now have to revamp what we have been saying in our training for these issues, for race, for unconscious bias, for all of these issues. Have you considered what changes you'd make? Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. Now, I haven't been doing a ton of trainings right now in the COVID world. I'm finding that a lot of companies aren't spending their their money on training right at the moment. Um, but I think that the current BLM movement and and societal change that we have been looking for and hoping for that we are starting to see now really should be spurring folks in our profession and HR professionals to be thinking about how they how they build that into their harassment and discrimination training and. Uh, I'd like to think that my training was a bit ahead of the curve on that and that mm -hmm. I had components of it. It wasn't enough, no. frankly, it wasn't enough. And I think that most of us would look at it and say, no, it wasn't enough. So whereas I think I was more focused on sexual harassment and and discrimination based on gender uh, or sex in my, you know, or harassment on that basis, I think discussions of bias and harassment and discrimination are going to be more robust around the fact that it's not just sex discrimination or harassment, that you can have harassment and discrimination based on race and national origin or age or disability. Those are all ways in which people can be harassed and discriminated against. And I've always touched on it, but it's always been around, around the hook of sexual harassment. And now it's going to be much more around, let's understand that these same things uh, exist when it comes to race and all of these other protected classes. And you need to know and understand and be thinking about your implicit bias and the implicit bias of your coworkers and employees who may be committing these, these, these forms of aggression. Yes, absolutely. I've been going through and looking at my slides and thinking about, you know, how do I bolster that point here? How do I, you know, cause I, I always build my, my, my training's always built around, usually it's for managers. And mm -hmm. it's a combination of how to be a good manager and how not to discriminate, right? <laughs> and that those two things go together, right? And if, Absolutely. If, if, you if you're a good manager and you listen and you treat your employees equally and, and you don't tell stupid jokes and you do, you do it the way you should and you have their trust, you're going to get yourself out of a lawsuit, right? And, but again, where the focus has always been is, you know, yes, it can be on all of these protected classes, but let's talk about sex harassment. And now it's well, going to be, let's talk about sex harassment and the fact that this is harassment on any protected class. And here's some examples and maybe build in more, more of those things that maybe they see in their workplace, maybe not the overt, but the more subtle ways in which this happens that can be actionable, can lead to lawsuits. And not just from my perspective as, as a defense lawyer or trainer trying to protect the company from lawsuits, but also because it's just bad. Uh, yeah. And you want to stop it. And those two, I love that in my job, those interests align uh, <laughs> so that, that, you know, the best way to avoid that lawsuit is not to discriminate and to be a good employer and a good manager, right? Those, those, those interests are fully in line with each other. But uh, again, back, bringing it back to your original question, absolutely. I think all of us need to be looking at how we talk about bias, implicit bias or right unknown biases that we all carry. And how do we how do we get people to think about that during our trainings so that they can uh, carry that into their everyday workplace, whether they're a manager 
or a rank and file employee or the CEO. They, everybody should be thinking about this. Yeah, and I think a big part of the training for me is I've always included a, usually a disability example, usually a race example, usually a national origin example. I use national origin particularly for election cycles because immigration's yeah. always been a, a particularly touchy topic in elections, but it has a definite impact on national origin questions for folks in the workplace. So I've I've tried to always include those. I think what has changed is a little bit of once you see one movement for one group of people, you can add on for every other group of people. So we yeah. see Me Too pushing this issue of we need to have more discussions about sexual harassment, but we also need to have them more about harassment in general. And as Black Lives Matter and 57% of Minnesotans, and sorry, I only know the Minnesotan statistic, but 57% of Minnesotans support the Black Lives Matter movement. And so we need to talk about that one now pushing forward. And so while we see changes in legislation in California and Illinois and New York and Delaware of changing the standard for what those trainings need to look like and include those for sexual harassment, there's no reason not to include the other protected classes in that discussion and saying, we want to treat everyone from a baseline of respect, and that's what this looks like. And this is what is not respectful, including the things like touching your hair if you're an African-American or Black woman, you know, uh, wanting to interrupt women or wanting to interrupt the individuals who are disabled or going to happy hour where they can't attend. I mean, those little micro, maybe microaggressions, but those lead to the kinds of discrimination that we're trying to prevent. And it and leads so, to alienation. Yep. Of and employees, it's a, whether right. it's actionable or not, it, it's something you want to be thinking about. We can talk about microaggressions on another episode, uh, yeah. <laughs> but we want to be reactive to where society and where the issues are. At the same time, I'm also trying to think about how am I in front of whatever's coming next yeah. and anticipating where things are going or where I feel they should go and training on those as well, because right. better better to be training uh, your company or your your employer on you know, future risk, right? Or things that aren't in the news today. I don't know what those are. I'm not an Oracle, uh, you know, employment Oracle of any sort, but. If I was, I'd be on Wall Street. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be the employment wolf of Wall Street. Well, no, no, I would be in investment. Right. No, I know. I would, That's what I'm saying. I would be done by time, by now. And I would be on my yacht and. You'd be on your yacht. <laughs> Donating heavily to social justice causes, but I would still be on my yacht. Fair. <laughs> if I was an oracle and could tell those things. But I think you're absolutely right. I think we as, in particular, trainers um, and employment lawyers need to be pushing our clients beyond what is just legal and saying, this is where we should be. This, As managers, we need to be building that kind of trust and relationships where people come and tell us things, that they have that quote-unquote psychological safety to be doing that. And that's where our training should be focused on is making better managers, making better relationships in the workplace. So I entirely agree. So Mark, that is our episode. That is our episode today. Uh, <laughs> due to my woeful lack of preparedness. <laughs> you did great. Oh, oh no, I, I feel very comfortable. I'm just saying <laughs> I, I don't have a story today. Um, <laughs> I do need more stories. I've got a few that I'm still trying to figure out how to reformat and get them into something that's more digestible for what we're doing here because they're either too long or a little bit uh, too personal or whatever. So I've got to figure those out. But I do need more stories 
almost getting to the point of desperately needing more more news stories. So um, <laughs> hwepodcast at gmail.com would be the best way to do that. Uh, we know you're listening. Uh, and in fact, I do want to say we've been so impressed. I haven't looked at the numbers today, but our our episode on the most recent Supreme Court case is just going awesome right now. It's it's actually really, we released two episodes that same day. Actually, while I'm talking here, I'm going to see if I can pull it up. We released two episodes that same day. Let's just say that our Supreme Court episode is, as I'm looking right now, 250 downloads ahead of the other episode from the same day. <laughs> so, but already in 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 well under two weeks, because we're recording this a few days before this comes out, we're, we're at 750 downloads on that, which for us, you know, we usually Great. hit around a thousand after about a month. So for most of our episodes. And so uh, we appreciate all of you listening and please feel free to be commenting to us on social media, you know, and just interacting with us about the content. We, we know you're out there. We don't always feel like we get, like I'm getting a whole lot of feedback. You know, uh, again, that, that email address is hwepodcast at gmail.com. Send us your comments, send us your questions around it. I, I have gotten a few interesting questions over the last week or so, and I'm going to, I'm going to pose those on our next episode. But uh, again, we love the interaction. We know you're out there. We know you're listening. Don't be shy about getting in touch with us, whether it's just over Twitter or email or LinkedIn or any of the places, uh, you know, maybe someday we'll have a functioning website and you can do it there. I don't know. Um, yes, maybe. But but for now, you know, we, we, love, we love that you all are out there listening and uh, please tell your friends, neighbors, uh, enemies, <laughs> uh, anybody really about the podcast and we're having a lot of fun doing this I uh, you know I've been thinking about this over the last few months since we came back and just how how happy it makes me to be thinking <laughs> about doing this every couple of weeks uh, with you Kate it's been it's been a lot of fun so much fun so so again send us our stories hwe podcast at gmail.com you can find me at Twitter at K-A-B-I-S-C-H. How about you, Salad Pants? Where can we find you? I'm at Salad Pants <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, you can mm -hmm. find me on LinkedIn, Mark Alifans on LinkedIn. I think you have a new Twitter account. What? Little old me has a new Twitter account that's designed solely to troll you called Rutabaga Squirt? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> I haven't followed it yet. It doesn't look like anybody else has either, but... Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> so control you. So I know it's great. I love you. it. I love it. Uh, mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking of one for you too, actually. I just, <laughs> I'm too lazy to do it. I have it. I have the idea. I just haven't, uh, I'm just too lazy okay. to, to, to do it. It's got, it's got well, something to do with, it's got something to do with cookies. Oh, okay. Sounds great. Uh, <laughs> for my Biscoff cookies. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I want to spend one more big thank you to Jackie for joining us to talk about NASCAR. That was awesome. I, I truly adore that woman. Um, and then for our final parting, I want to say to everybody, stay safe, wash your hands, wear your mask. See you soon. Yeah, this isn't over, people. It's really kind of back to the beginning again. So uh, stay safe, wear your mask. All right. We love you all. We'll talk to you soon. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs>